1: Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, we are surrounded in business today with digital devices, and our communication and our connection is just so driven electronically. I was looking at some statistics about email. Of course, email marketing is pretty pervasive, but according to Statista, in 2022, there are an estimated 333 billion, that's right, billion Email sent and received worldwide every day. And so we are trying to communicate and connect electronically. But my guest today has a different perspective that there is an opportunity to create even greater connection by going back to a more traditional and a more intimate type of communication. And so we're going to explore that with Rick Elmore. Rick is an entrepreneur. He's a sales and marketing expert. And he's also a former college and professional football athlete. He's the founder and CEO of Simply Noted, and he's developed a proprietary technology that puts real pen and ink to paper to scale handwritten communication, helping businesses of all industries scale in a unique marketing platform and really stand out from all of that competition and build more meaningful relationships with clients, customers, and employees. So Rick is a true entrepreneur. He's served as the CEO. Since the company's founding, and again has more than a decade of sales and marketing industry experience, and so I'm fascinated to explore coming back, maybe to a traditional type of communication that we remember was more pervasive in the past. But how do we use that to stand out? So, Rick, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. So, I want to go back. Just looking at your your history uh, and before starting the business and, and going the entrepreneurial route. You had a, an interesting path. You played football at an elite level in college and then in the National Football League. And curious what your transition was like out of football. And how did your playing experience help you in your subsequent journey as a company founder?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, this is actually something I'm really, really passionate about: is a life after sport. I think um, college and professional athletes have all the interpersonal and uh, intrinsic skills. I guess it takes to be successful in business when they're done playing. So um, I was just really able to take everything that I was good at, you know, competing um you know persistence uh studying competitors you know everything it takes to be a a really good athlete and I was just really able to uh just put that into something else when I got done but when I got done playing football um I just reached out to some uh, um, of my own old teammates that uh, made that transition before me who I thought were you know on the right path doing some pretty interesting things and I got into medical device sales for six years uh was pretty, you know, I was really fortunate. I had a really good career in medical device. My first year I was an associate rep, but for my last five years I was president's club every year, but just really wasn't, you know, super satisfied. I wanted something more for myself, always kind of had the, the little entrepreneurial bug in me and just didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I uh, went back into my MBA in 2017 uh-huh. and I, I, I thought that was, um, you know, going to help me kind of make that transition eventually. And it really did.
1: Yeah. You know, one aspect, certainly in football, where you have maybe larger roster of players than in sports like basketball, mm-hmm. there is that, that whole dynamic of, of working together, different personalities, maybe different Absolutely. roles and skill sets. So it, I, I'm sure you saw that uh, really transfer over as well absolutely uh you know we had 125 guys on my
0: college football team we all came from different walks of life um you know being on a football team it really does force you to be a good teammate you have to do your job if you if you don't do your job um you know if one person doesn't do their job the whole team will fail and um that's why a lot of businesses like working with athletes they're they're good team players you know they make good teammates um, they're highly competitive highly motivated self-motivated self-starters and, um, yeah, that, that team atmosphere, um, really does, uh, help you in, I guess, in the transition in life after sport.
1: Yeah. it's not just the physical preparation. You talk about the mental preparation also, which is uh, so important, right? Which you're trying to really grow and, and start a new business. So as I mentioned at the open, uh, all of us relate to this digital world and, you know, it seems like we're glued to our mobile devices. We are consuming content at record levels. We're pushing out and and receiving and sending all this email, all this content. But you're actually advocating there's a benefit to taking a more traditional format in terms of communication, this idea of handwritten notes. What's the theory behind that? What would really motivate you in that direction? Yeah, um you know I grew up,
0: uh, I didn't get a cell phone, you know, I was part of that generation didn't get cell phones until they were in high school, uh, you know, later years in high school. So, you know, handwriting notes was something that was, we always did as kids. Um, I remember when I was getting recruited uh, in college, you know, you know the co- you know the schools that would send you printed letters were like, "Oh, it's kind of cool," but the coaches that sent you handwritten letters, that obviously stood out a lot. And um th- those are keepsakes. Those are things that I've saved that I'll show my kids um, eventually down the line. Um, and that is the same type of experience most people have with handwritten notes. You think you get handwritten birthday cards, they go up on display. Um, you get a handwritten note from somebody, you you know, you love or respect, you, you you keep them, you don't throw them away. And, um, I just, I, I saw what everybody else was doing. Everybody else was, you know, really zigging and, and going digital, you know, all this automation, Um, APIs and algorithms and software and email and social, you know, all this stuff. And the things that really, you know, worked um, was doing something different and um, sending something in the mail uh, really does stand out. It it has a a 99% open rate when you you use a a handwritten envelope with a real forever stamp um, versus all these other mediums these platforms are using with these You know, really small success rates. You know, we're talking single digit open rates. Um, So yeah, handwritten notes. If you really look at the stats compared to all these other forms, it really just stands in its own uh, category of success.
1: So when you you started getting this idea and uh, I hear not zigging, but you were wanted to zag. And when you talk to maybe people in your trusted inner circle and you're sharing this idea, I'm just curious was that universal support or did you get some, you know, puzzle looks Hey, Rick, what, what are you talking about here? Are you sure? What was that dynamic like?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I was doing really well in in medical device. So when you go to, you know, some of your friends or some, some people in your family, like, what, what do you want to do? Like you want (laughs) to go start over, um, even though you just started over six years ago, but, um, I had some, I, I was really passionate about it. Um, during school when I was doing my MBA, I started this as like a project and I just tested it out, um, with some of the doctors that I worked with and we just had, I just had phenomenal results. And, um, a lot of people, when you, you first become an entrepreneur, you kind of have that entrepreneurial like seizure moment, um, when you get that wow. idea and you're just so excited and that's what everybody saw about, um, it, what they saw me about this idea. I was just so excited about it. Um, I truly believed in it. And really my wife was the one that really pushed me into doing it. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I'm not a big risk state risk taker. You know, I like um, having, you know, some type mm-hmm. of structure, you know, as yeah. an athlete, you're kind of have a schedule. You go here, you do this, here's your timeline, you know, and, and that's what I was used to. So my wife, my wife really did push me into this and, you know, fast forward. Almost four years. We, you know, we'll do, you know, nearly two million handwritten notes um, this year. You know, we're going wow. to Inc. five thousand. Um, you know, we're working with companies I never dreamed we'd work with. And you know, it's just it's been really cool to see it grow.
1: It's interesting. You know, when I was uh, coming up and and going through the earlier stages of my career, Rick, I, I remember one of the 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 leaders, a very visible leader, Jack Welch at uh, GE, and. I remember in in reading some books um, about him that one of the things that was distinctive that that he used for connection was um, that just a quick handwritten note, you know, of thanks and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so there's something to this, I think, just psychologically, the impact of of getting that very personalized communication, you know, in your hands that you can touch and feel.
0: Yeah, I think. Handwritten custom personalized notes are the last form of communication that people don't think that can be automated or done at scale. So people really do, you know, they appreciate it because it's something that's rare. They don't get it that often. I think the average person receives seven or eight handwritten notes a year. I think it it may be less. Um, It's something that, you know, used to be a very common business practice 30 years ago. You think about in the 80s and 90s. Um, it was just something that people did, but, um, everything now is just so automated and it's so digital and it's, how can we make this easier and faster? And, and we've just gotten so fu- you know, distant attached, um, you know, from that type of business practice and, um, you know, everything kind of com- comes, re- you know, what's new is old or what's old is new, you know, and, um, we're just kind of bringing that back.
1: Well, one of the hardest things for a CEO in founding a company is establishing a culture that's going to be distinctive, but also mm-hmm. that has this positivity to that, and just you know laying the groundwork for that and, and maintaining that. From your perspective, what have been the keys for you in being able to do that at, at your company, and has there been some learning that you've had to go through along the way of uh, building a, a good culture yeah. and brand?
0: Yeah, so we're we're completely self-funded, um, completely bootstrapped, no loans, no debt, no investors. So building that type of business, you know, can be very stressful. But I, what I'm extremely proud of is the employees that we have, the team that we have. Um, we have eleven full-time employees, thirty if you count like part-time and contractors. Um, they've all that they've all been with us, um, you know, since the beginning. Um, nobody leaves. Uh, I think what we've done here is built a, a really strong knit type, like family culture. And um, uh, I'm extremely proud of that.
1: Yeah. And so you mentioned family. So what are the ingredients um, that you think have, have really enabled to, that feeling to just permeate? And wow, I mean, that kind of loyalty too, you see it all the time, people leaving, coming, going, these early stage companies, but you, 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 people are staying. What, what do you think is that glue that, that is keeping them there? I think um, every person here is extremely important,
0: and they know that. Um, I I mean, I couldn't do, we couldn't do this business without them. So we make sure they, they know how important they are and how appreciated they are. Plus, it's extremely flexible. Um, you know, our company runs 24 hours a day. Uh, we have to. It's just, I mean, these handwritten notes, they literally take five minutes per note to, to write on these uh, handwriting robots. But, um, yeah, I mean, we give them the flexibility. Um, I mean, they're extremely valuable, like valued and, and, and appreciated, and they know that. We just remind them about that all the
1: time. And as you were going through the pandemic, uh, with a lot of the adjustments that businesses have had to make in terms of in-person versus virtual, hybrid structures, did you find that that was disruptive in any way, or, or how did you easily navigate through that? you know, just with that unexpected uh, challenge yeah, just, in front of
0: you. Yeah. Just growing a business through the pandemic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, we were still in the, you know, that was the, our second full-time year. I knew it was going to be hard, but um, you just, we had to get creative and do things differently. Um, in my medical sales career, I was a very uh, like customer facing type of sales guy. I like to go in, shake hands, build a relationship um you know identify problems solve it you know you couldn't do that you know for a year and a half so it forced us to get a lot better on the phone it forced us to get a lot more creative um, using some different marketing tactics which was great because you know i I had to learn and, and grow in different areas and i was actually thankful for that um you know I, I, all this digital marketing and seo and yeah. um, i've had to learn all this stuff and, and it's actually transformed our business you know our website gets nearly oh it's about 75,000 visitors a month and that's really from all the work that was done in learning um, going through the pandemic
1: you know, so you've mentioned a couple times of of needing to pivot or or thinking about doing things differently i'm curious where your inspiration for driving innovation in your company comes from. How do you keep the fire going? You know, in terms of just always thinking about how we can do it better. Yeah, yeah. I my brain
0: is this con- Like I'm, I'm extremely competitive, and um, I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to do way better than I did last year. And we've had to continue to innovate here. I'd simply noted it's just, um, it's completely necessary for us to scale uh, our business profitably. And, um, you know, we've had to build our own handwriting robots. We've had to build our own software applications. We've had to build our own handwriting engines. We literally built a pen. Um, the pens that these handwriting robots use would run out too fast and it was causing our machines a lot of downtime. So we literally worked with the engineering company to manufacture a larger, um, pen insert and a larger pen. Like we literally mill our own pens and make our own pen inserts. So, um, as problems come along, um, I don't like those problems to stick around. I'm always trying to find ways to make it better. And I think if you're a, a you know an up and coming, fast growing business, you have to continually improve on those problems because every entrepreneur and business owner knows like every every week, every month, there's going to be new problems. And if you don't take care of those old problems, they're just going to weigh you down and slow you down.
1: It's interesting as I've talked to a lot of leaders about that innovation cycle. And what I hear a lot of is, well, to get to that breakthrough, you've also got to have the patience and discipline to handle just the inevitable failure, you know, and the learning that comes along the way. I'm sure you can relate to that too.
0: Yeah. I've, I'm extremely not patient. So, um, (laughs) it's really hard for me. It's like, why, why aren't we, uh, why isn't progress being made today? You know, but, um, that's something about being an athlete, um, it does teach you is like, if you just show up and you do the work and you go to the gym and you, you do the practice, go to the practice and do the reps, you're going to get better. So even though you don't feel like you're winning today or getting better today, it's, it's being consistent and doing that stuff. Um, and knowing it will pay off, you know, if it's weeks or months or years down the line. And that's really, you know, in the day I may not be feeling patient, but I know the work that we're doing, it will pay off.
1: Right. And you know, you're in the business of supporting this, uh, more personalized communication that's scalable, but I've also seen you talk about account-based marketing and what do you see as the impact of that in trying to go out? Uh, if you're in a B2B type of environment, you want to get higher quality engagement, build more meaningful business relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about that ABM impact? Yeah. AB yeah. This ABM and like CX, it's really been, um, the big
0: buzzwords or keywords these the companies we we've been working with and onboarding the last you know 12 to 18 months. But when you're thinking about you know sales and marketing, you're really about thinking about building a relationship um, with that client, building up your brand in a certain way that's going to you know, develop more loyalty and increase lifetime value and get more referrals and get better reviews. And ways to do that is to connect um, you know with your clients, uh, your employees, whoever it is um in the best way possible and what's great about today you know and you know and where we are in this business landscape there's just so much technology that allows you to do that efficiently you know there's these gifting platforms that will you know, send swag bags, you know, and we help them send, you know, those handwritten notes or there's mm-hmm. ways to automate, um, you know, s- sending stuff to your clients to build these relationships through so- software like Zapier or Integrately or just simply automating it through your CRM. So, yeah, when you're thinking about a- account based marketing, it's about developing that relationship, but um, in a scalable, trackable, efficient, affordable way. And um, that's where I mean, that's where we try to fit in.
1: Yeah. I'd also think that just the feedback that you get along the way that, that constantly being engaged enough, connected enough with your customers and getting those insights and then using that in terms of just, you know, continuing to strengthen. So, so that feedback loop would be really important.
0: Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's, we're always talking to our, our business clients uh, that use us and a lot of them want to use us for prospecting. And we're always talking about, Hey, focus on the relationship, like stay top of mind. You know, you should be reaching out to these, you know, your clients three or four times a year. Um, if it's for anniversaries or holidays, or just saying, thank you, you know, you want to stay top of mind. Um, you want them to think of you, you know, when, when they need something. And, um, I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. And I would think you'd have a lot of applicability, this whole idea of the handwritten notes. It's not like, this is really just suited for a certain type of B2B uh, or a certain segment or space, right? It's applicable. It's universal to some extent.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of been hard too. It's like, Hey, this is a great idea, but how do we use it? It's like, should we send birthday cards? So we, so we're actually working on a a new case study um, uh, right now to really build out like the perfect way to do this um, for just uh, relationship management and, um, yeah, but yeah, the, the use cases are, are, are limitless, but we really just really try to hit down is make your client feel appreciated. Say, thank you. Um, where there's so many competitors out there nowadays. I don't care if you're a real estate agent, you're selling insurance, your car company, uh, or you're a music teacher. It doesn't matter. Like there's literally go online. You can find a, a thousand alternatives to what you do. So, um just building that relationship is what we think is most important and what's going to give you the highest ROI and help you grow your business.
1: Now, Rick, you mentioned earlier you went out, you you got some feedback or some advice as you were thinking about transitioning uh into a more of a business-focused career from mentors, friends, um leaders that you respected. But thinking about all of your experience and your career journey, what's the best piece of business advice you've received? Yeah, there's
0: actually two. Um, first is uh, just you got to get started. Um, there's never a perfect time to get started. Um, a lot of people, including me, it's like analysis paralysis. You sit there, you think you have to have all the answers. And you know I'm four years into this and I, I still feel just as like you know how I felt four years ago. It's like there's still so many things that we need to do. But you figure it out along the way. And um it's just really important to get started. So if there's anybody out there thinking about doing something, um, getting started, starting a business, trying some new software, doing something that can help you out, it's just you have to try it. And then um yeah. Yeah, the other one was um what was yeah, why am I drawing a blank on this other one? I, I apologize. Um
1: yeah, when yeah. you know yeah when, when you talk yeah. about just taking that first step, you know sometimes that's it's it, there is an aspect of courage, I guess with that but it's amazing. I found like even in my own experience when I'm a little bit hesitant about something or I'm maybe worried, it's almost like there's this physiological reaction. If I actually start the movement or actually start mentally engaging, it feels like that that some of that apprehension goes away. So, But the longer you sit and don't do anything, it just seems like it just gets more and more uh, intimidating, yeah. right? So sometimes yeah. it's just about taking that first step.
0: Yeah, I completely agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Rick, when you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? About about what marketing our business. Yeah. Just the, the, the future, the opportunities ahead for us. So we've been through some challenging times, obviously uh, here the last few years, but, but what, what drives you and and what makes you feel good and optimistic when you think of the future? I'm a very, uh, um,
0: I would say hopelessly optimistic person. I I, I think anything can be done. Um, It's a good thing and a bad thing because (laughs) sometimes Uh. you can try things that are, um, you know, you'll just get in over your head or something like that. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, you can be really overwhelming, but, um, I'm, I'm always, uh, excited about the future. And I think that's, you know, what most entrepreneurs are, you know, they have ideas and, um, you know, that's what gets them excited and that's what helps them get out of bed in the morning. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Simply Noted. I'm excited for everything that we're going on here. I'm ex- I'm excited that, you know, I was able to build and launch, uh, you know, a business, um, the The way that we have, um, you know the the technology that we're building, I think there's a real need for it in today's uh, digital age. Um, really kind of turning back the clocks here and going with the the old you know snail mail handwritten notes, but just adding a, a you know a technology spin to it to help people do it more efficiently. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, outside of business, there's a lot of things that get me excited. You know, I'm training for an Ironman right now. I have two young kids. You know, They're growing you know, There's a lot of things that are going good.
1: That That's awesome. And uh, so you're probably getting up really early in the morning, Rick, you know, to, to work in that Ironman training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that optimism you talked about, and when you're in a highly visible role in a small growing company, i would think that that rubs off right or so do you think about that so like how do you uh really project that uh, sense of optimism so your team is feeling it too right do, do you see that actually happen
0: yeah um so i mean our our teams really split between i mean besides our our quality control and contractors um like our teams really split between sales and operations so like our sales team like um they see just like how hard I work and like anytime anything positive goes good. um, You know, I'm I'm very vocal and excitable. And I mean, I'm very, um, my emotions are like on my sleeves so they can see it. So I think that's a little bit infectious. I think, you know, that's something I got from my locker room kind of experience of being on a football team is uh, you got to have that infectious, you know, positive, energetic personality because that helps other people, you know, get motivated and and stay motivated and be excited about what's going on. And then on the operations side, you know, even though I'm a I'm a sales and marketing guy by day, but by night I'm always thinking about software and industrial automation, how can we improve all this stuff, you know, in in, the, in our warehouse to make things, you know, operate better. So, I'm very involved on in that as well and I have all these ideas and they and I think our operations team you know really respects that how involved I am over there trying to make things better because if I can make things better, you know, in the warehouse, it's going to make their jobs better. And they, they respect that, you know, that I'm not neglecting that.
1: Yeah. I have this vision, Rick, of you, the Rick after hours, right. Going into the lab and just that, you know, that's when the magic happens. Right. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's like,
0: literally like I get all my, my sales and marketing stuff done, you know, in the morning. But then like, by like four, three or four o'clock, I'm in the warehouse. Like, How's this machine? Why is that machine making this noise? Like, you know, what happens if we, you know, change the the warehouse in this direction? Could we make it more of like an assembly line? As notes, yeah. You know, so it's like we're just, I'm always back there trying to, you know, make things work better.
1: Yeah, and I think that natural curiosity you mentioned asking questions is something that's really important too, right? It's just the the discovery part of it by asking those questions.
0: Yep, I think something that we do a really good job here as well, and I think uh, a lot of businesses should do this is really give your your employees who are working on those tasks all the time give them like the floor to to make recommendations, like hey, how do you think we can do this better? You know, versus me, right? I'm only in there maybe an hour or two a day trying to figure it out. Like they're doing it, you know, sixteen hours a day. Like hey, what's not working? What could be better? You know, and actually um, encourage you know um innovation like hey like like what do you what don't you like about these robots like tell me you work on them all day like how can we make them better and um that makes them you know feel like what you know what they have to say is is valued and um it actually helps because then they're, they're always looking and thinking uh, about what we can do better as well
1: that makes a lot of sense it's all about engaging with your yeah. employees right and and really leveraging yeah. their their, their strengths. So, as we start wrapping up our conversation, Rick, do you have any other final advice for companies that are looking to gain either stronger customer relationships or really to achieve sustainable growth? Yeah, I think um, really
0: the hard thing, I mean, I, I deal with our, our clients right now. It's like you really have to make your clients feel appreciated. Um, and I don't know, I don't care what you do. If you pick up the phone, you know, you go visit them or you send them a handwritten note, I don't care how you do it um you just have to you know make your clients feel appreciated we all know it costs more money um to to onboard and find new clients versus keeping your current clients happy um but however you do it it's just i mean it, it is the most important thing to sustain and
1: grow a healthy business yeah especially important as a lot of businesses are moving into more digital subscription Models yep. and and now you've got this ticking clock. So the relationship is really defined around a certain time frame. And so, how do you maximize that time to really maximize retention? It's a re- it's a real challenge.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, it, it absolutely is. And um, there's a lot of great tools out there. I mean, we use them. You know, there's great emailing tools. There's great automation tools. There's great. Gifting platforms that help send out swag, um, you know, handwritten note solution. I mean, there's a lot of tools. You just use them. You know, make the investment back into your business and your clients, and um, you know, the ROI will definitely be there.
1: Well, Rick, thanks again for coming on and sharing your journey, your insights, and uh, in transitioning from an elite athlete into <laughs> an elite entrepreneur and a fast-growing business. And in, in really creating this uh, and shaking up this whole idea of how do we effectively communicate? Yeah, this is great. Um, thank you for letting me come on and share this with you. And a reminder to everyone to please go and continue to give feedback on the podcast, rate and review. You can do that so easily out on Apple Podcast. And a reminder, as always, to make sure to visit MarketImpactNow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.